the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, the uh, podcast goes on the road down to uh, Cedar Park tonight. We're recording before the uh, Texas Stars play the San Antonio Rampage tonight. I'm joined by Stephen Mazur, who covers the Texas Stars for Andrew Hockey. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, before we get into hockey, I have something that I need to discuss with you real quick. <laughs> just because this is it's something that's been bothering me all day. I even wrote 800 words about it, just because that's the only way I know to process things. Um, what is your view on the freestyle Coca-Cola machines? I am, so so I'm like a, first of all, I'm a Coca purist. No Pepsi. None of that business. Mm-hmm. If, if they say it's Pepsi okay, that's not okay. You get water, do you get water instead? Uh, ask for Diet Dr. Pepper, because okay. I'm from Texas. Gotcha. And then maybe iced tea. Mm-hmm. Diet Pepsi, not cool. Right? But the freestyle machines, I, I get it. But my main thing is the point that you gave. I read your article, your mm-hmm. article, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, and the point that I would agree with is, yeah, they take too long. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the rest of the frustration because it's the same stuff, right? Or is it not? You tell me. You did all the research. Apparently, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, some some of the uh, the people who have joined the Facebook group, a little bit over 1,100 strong, have claimed that it doesn't taste good. It's bad Coke. I know. I, I admit, I am not a big Coke drinker, so I can't. I can't be a pure judge of the product. However, I still thought it was absurd the fact that someone would order their food, have it start to be made, and then because of this machine, turn around and walk out. You know, I think really the big thing that Austin folks are concerned about will be if Topo Chico, which was recently purchased by Coca-Cola, ever ends up in the freestyle machine, that is high heresy. Yes. You've got to drink a Topo Chico out of a glass bottle. I think we can agree upon that. I, I, if that ever happens, that's the end of the freestyle machine. I will be right with Kevin. I will walk right out. There you go. All right, on to actual hockey uh, musings and thoughts and everything like that. How do the Texas Stars look this season? Well, you know, I was having a conversation with someone just before we sat down from San Antonio, and, and you know, it's interesting because if you were to look at this team on all of their stats, right, you got goalies with basically 900 and below save percentage, you got bottom five power play and penalty kill, um, you know, you, you've got players who you would expect to be contributing, maybe not stepping up. You go, man, this team is probably a couple games below 500, not doing so well. They're even, 7-7-1. Seven, seven and one. They're in fourth, which in this division is a playoff spot. It's the last spot in the playoffs. So they're somehow getting it done, even though maybe the raw numbers suggest they might not be. So... It's kind of an interesting spot for them to be, and I'm sure we'll discuss some of the things about the veteran rule and the yes. challenges that they've had there, but they have so much more that they can do, and if they can improve these little things, special teams, goaltending, not really little things, but these if they can improve these things. Things that win hockey games. Things that win <laughs> hockey games. They have the ability to be maybe an even better team than 500. I would be pretty happy if I were Coach Laxdahl right now, given all the challenges you've had, being in the spot that you're in. We're going to get into those challenges, but first I want to address real quick just some news from today. Curtis McKenzie is now the captain. I believe he is the fourth full-time captain in team history. Uh, I believe that's correct. We had Brad Lukowicz, Landon Wilson, uh, Maxine Fortunas, Travis Warren, and now Curtis McKenzie. Yeah, so that would be the fifth full-time captain. I know Stephen John served as captain for a couple games when when Travis Warren was hurt before, but fifth full-time captain... 
talked to Curtis and Coach Laxell this morning about how this season he's approached a leadership by committee. He had six A's, um, and I believe Dylan Hetherington even jumped into that group. I don't think he was someone we thought as a leader before the season. That's not a knock against Dylan Hetherington, but just stepping up uh, above expectations. What has Curtis McKenzie done this season? What have you noticed about Curtis McKenzie? I mean, it's one of those things where... When a, when a player who has been at the NHL level for a couple seasons or pieces of, of a couple seasons gets assigned to the NHL level, you worry about the sulk factor, mm-hmm. right? They're going to, yeah. oh, man, woe is me, and not contribute in the same way that they would, you'd hope that they contribute. Curtis McKenzie was rookie of the year, his, his uh, you know, first season out of college here when they won the championship. But, you know, he's one of the leading scorers on this team uh, behind of course, perennial Travis Warren always uh, putting in uh, goals and assists. I think that that's a strong uh, notch in his favor in terms of his character. He didn't come down here and sulk. He said, "Let's get the job done. Let's make what we can do. You know, do what we can to make the most out of the situation and lead by example." Um, and even. I mean, what could be a very frustrating situation, you could even excuse it for being frustrating, he gets called up Friday, we talked to him in the morning up in Dallas, and it seemed like he was going to play that night, and then is scratched that night and doesn't play, on his back here the next night, and from all accounts, the team didn't play well against Grand Rapids on night two, but he, by all accounts, he has an assist, he plays well, um, he's, he's a guy who, Curtis has always had the right attitude, you and I have seen that for yeah, easily, what, four years now, yeah. but he's... He's always had the right attitude, and he's a guy that you like as a leader on your team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are different types of leaders, right? Travis Warren is a guy who leads, and you know we've always talked about it. He leads by example. He's not as vocal. Curtis is a little bit more of that, and that's probably what you want in your captain, right? And uh, I think it's interesting, though, seeing him as the captain. You have to ask the question, what does that mean about his future in the NHL? It's a really tough question to ask um, because you and I have chatted before about Curtis McKenzie is an NHL player on probably a majority of the teams in the league. uh, You could probably argue if if contract situations weren't an issue, if you were just going to pick an NHL roster across the league, Curtis McKenzie is probably an NHL NHL player on 25 of the 30 30 If if you're going to draw a line, he's above the line. Yes. You know, five out of six. There are, there are NHL players that are worse than Curtis McKenzie right now. We Absolutely, so. but but that's the case yeah. every. Like, yeah, that's yeah, one of the weird things with the HL. We we have to sort of understand yeah. that he's in a contract situation where that is the situation, the hand that he's been dealt. And you could argue, just if you think about it, when Curtis McKenzie cleared waivers, if him and Adam Cracknell had switched spots, Curtis McKenzie would be the one on the New York Rangers right now. Right. Exactly. And and. It's just luck of the draw, right? It's the timing. One of those things, the timing, you don't know who needs what at what time. You're you're exactly right. McKenzie could be uh, living it up in Madison Madison Square Garden, and Adam Cracknell would be in Cedar Park, Texas tonight. And maybe, who knows, maybe Adam Cracknell will be the captain of the Texas Stars. Very possible. Just don't know, but I worry about, sort of, normally you don't assign a player you expect to make a lot of noise in the NHL uh, to be your captain at the AHL level. Mm -hmm. That was sort of my first thought when that news was was put out there. It's the cliché kiss of death for an NHL for NHL likelihood that season. That's right. That's um, it's right. not 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 for your career, but just that season. Um, and Curtis is only twenty six. Is yeah, and it's not to say that like obviously Curtis is is happy with the fact that he was selected as a leader on the team, but there's got to be that sort of thought in the back of your head of okay, well if I'm the captain here, then. 
why you know, they're expecting me to be here for a lot of the games. Mm-hmm. So am I ever going to get called up again? It's, it's a good point, and it's it's a it's it's a tough situation. It's um, it would be interesting if the stars had if if say just hypothetically say Jason Dickinson just because he was part of that leadership group say Jason Dickinson had been the, the name of the captain then all of a sudden you would say okay well this is just this literally is only built off what's happened this season however we have we do have those players kind of stuck in that 4A bubble right now um, and granted he's getting he's getting well compensated he's on a one way contract so he's getting $700,000 a year to play in Cedar Park there's, there's much worse gigs in the world but it is it is a bit you're Curtis and you're his agents, when this season ends, you start up to look at that and wonder, what does this say about my spot in the organization going forward? Right. If if Curtis were a player that they wanted at the Dallas level, they would have made a move to open up space for him. I think that's sort of that combined with the fact that he was named captain, sort of puts the writing on the wall. Unfortunately, it's only November, but we're already talking about he's probably a free agent departure in July unless things change drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, just the, in the immediate, this captaincy thing works, and I know because I already saw some of the comments responding to my article about it, um, Travis Morin is okay with this. I think that's the important thing we need to lay out right now, because I know there was, I saw a lot of backlash, and I know people have been upset that Travis Morin doesn't have the captaincy. I look at two things with Travis Morin, and one of these we'll get into in depth in a minute, I'll let you explain it because I think you've written one of the most, uh, one of the easiest articles to understand on it. I still refer back to it from four years ago, I believe now. Um, but Travis Morin is not your number one center anymore. Travis Morin is at a point in his career where he is taking a step back. Travis Morin is doing at the AHL level. Travis Morin is doing at the AHL level what you would want Jason Spezza, frankly, to be doing at the NHL level. Right. Um, Travis Morin is older. He's slower. Um, he's getting less minutes. He's not killing penalties anymore, but he's still on the ice in key situations. He's playing on the power play, and there's still, I'd argue, there's you couldn't pick five players in the AHL you'd want running your power play over Travis Morin still. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's killer player yeah. on the on the power play. I will say he does still play on the penalty kill. He's actually first guy out there for the three on uh, five on three penalty okay. kill. So he's he still has that effectiveness and that tool in his bag. Yes. But yeah. point taken. He is uh, he's taken a step back from where he was. Uh, but he he leads his team in points, mm-hmm. right? Like you got to look at both sides of that coin. He's absolutely still a contributor at this level. Um, honestly, you've been doing a lot of research for uh, the book that you've been working. Yeah on, and one of the things that you've absolutely seen and Dallas fans will be familiar with is the transition of from Mike Padano as captain mm-hmm. off to Brendan Morrow. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of fans had a lot of consternation about that, mm-hmm. right? But Madonna was... Honestly, probably uh, you could make a good comparison between Morin and Madonna in terms of what they meant to this franchise mm-hmm. and the way that they lead, right? Yes. Madonna's going to go score his points. He may not be the most vocal guy in the room. Morrow's a different kind of leader. McKenzie's a different kind of leader. And honestly, McKenzie and Morrow, both power forwards, go more to the mo- net. More emotional in their actions. Like more emotional, more vociferous. You can make it more physical. More physical. You can make a great comparison between the two players. And I think that that sort of analogy is something that Dallas fans should think about when they look at this transition from Warren to McKenzie and what it means 
in terms of what Travis Warren means. You, when, when Madonna didn't have the captaincy anymore, he was still one of the most important players on the team. Mm-hmm. It's just a letter. Yeah. Right? And, and that's... I, that's that's the perfect way to put it because it's just a letter it's something that even uh, I've, I've always wondered this What it's, it's interesting to me just from the outside perception of what letters mean because when we we went through when, uh, when they were talking in Dallas when uh, Jamie Ben is obviously the captain Tyler Sagan John Klingberg Alexander Radulov and Jason Spezza two are, two are alternate captains at home two are on the road and there was always comments of why don't they just I would get comments and questions of why don't they just pick two you don't need that. I mean, frankly, it's it's leadership by committee, and if wearing a letter makes you a leader, you're not a leader, frankly. I mean, like Greg Rallo, I'm sure, is a leader on this team every game he plays, but he won't wear a letter because of the vet rule, which I think is... Let's discuss that a bit, because for, for, yeah. first of all, for those people who don't understand, the veteran rule really limits how the Texas Stars can field their lineup. Because Texas at this point right now has, uh, how many veterans is it right now? It's eight now, I believe. It's yeah. eight, and you can only play six a game. That's right, and there are some rules about how you can do that. So the first thing you have to remember is, first and foremost, the American Hockey League is a development league. They want players here who are relatively young to develop their game and get better so that they can eventually become National Hockey League players. Well, that means that you need to limit the number of players who have a certain number of games experience. So the way they do that is the veteran rules. First of all, the veteran rule doesn't apply to goaltenders. You can just throw that right out the door. So Mike McKenna would qualify for the veteran rule if you were a skater. Doesn't matter. And since it doesn't apply to goalies, just a quick note, that's a reason why you see so many veteran goalies lasting so long in this league, because there's not a rule pushing them out. Right, and for skaters, those guys sit there and they they may not make that cut, so they end up in Europe or something like that, chasing uh, more money. Yes. For the skaters, you've got, uh, you know, 12 forwards, you've got six defensemen, 18 total. Only five of those can have played more than 320 professional games. And the way they define professional games is NHL and AHL, and then European games that were played when they would have been eligible for the NHL. Yes, so after junior eligibility. This, this kind of slightly connects to the, re- the weird CHL-NHL agreement. But basically, if we just use the cutoff as basically after 20 years old. Exactly. Yeah. That's the de facto transition age from the CHL into the AHL. Yes. And then, so like ECHL games don't count, SPHL games, if you've played in the SPHL, those games don't count. CHL games obviously aren't professional games, so they don't count. Uh, so you get five of those guys, and then you get one so-called tweener player, someone who's had between 260 and 320 games of professional service. When you add all that together... You, that means that you have limitations on your lineup every night. And because of a confluence of events with Curtis McKenzie being assigned down here um, and some of the players that they decided to bring in, you've got eight different players who fit that bill. You've got you know, Justin Dowling in a tweener role. You've got McKenzie. Um, you've got aforementioned Morin, Rollo, McNeil. And on defense, you have uh, Bodnerchuk and Regner. Um, and I'm looking at the list right now because there's so many, just making sure I didn't forget anyone. McKenzie well, counts, too, obviously. Uh, McKenzie yeah. counts, yeah. So, so, uh, and Brian Flynn. And Brian Flynn. Yeah. There we go. That was the last one. Yeah. Um, so Brian Flynn is the, is the eighth. Um, there are certain players that Coach Laxwell said he's not going to take out of the lineup. Bodnerchuk and Regner are your defensive rocks. Well, you, They're not on, coming out. On, on this defense, you have a mix of you have a bunch of players who have potential but you can't trust them by themselves yet. Nicholas Hansen, for example, or um, 
who else am I forgetting right now? Um, you have uh, Dylan Hetherington, who's played yeah. really well, actually. Yeah, absolutely, but, but, he has. But, but you, you don't know what you've you got. Have, you have young guys who you need. You want those anchors in there. Um, and ultimately, this has, for lack of a better word, for uh, I think the guy I feel for the most, and I feel bad for Greg Rollins as well, but I feel bad for Mark McNeil. Because absolutely. Mark McNeil is a player who, if you don't remember, he came in with a, in addition with a fourth-round pick in the trade for Johnny Oduya last year before the trade deadline. Um, Mark McNeil never has had a chance to really prove himself to this organization. He came in, played a couple games last year. He played the last game of the NHL season last year just because of the rash of injuries that Dallas had. Um, but now he comes in this season, and you think, oh, it's a fresh start. It's a chance to, to show something. And he's only got five games because of the amount of NHL games he's played. And he could, and if we talk about Chris McKenzie being an NHL player, Mark McNeil, if not for the vet rule, plays on any AHL team, I would argue. Absolutely. He's... he's got the skills, he was a first-round pick, he was a first-round pick for a reason, but he's he's scratched more nights than not here in Texas, and it's really tough because in Rockford, he was an every-night player, power play guy, penalty kill guy, he could really contribute to a lineup. I have to wonder if Mark McNeil becomes one of those players that Dallas fans have become familiar with over the years where they're still technically signed to a Dallas contract, but they're assigned to another team within the AHL. So uh, Francis Boitier was a good example. Last year you had uh, Matthias Backman, who was assigned to the Hershey Bears. Slightly uh, different. Uh, Toussignet, a couple of... Matthew Toussignet. Four years ago? But either, either, exactly. Yeah. And and they happened for different reasons, yeah. right? Uh, Watier actually happened because of the veteran role. Right? Yeah. He was their sixth veteran under that 320 and up category. So he got traded for that reason. Uh, Backman, I mean, Texas was out of the playoffs. And Backman, they were giving him a chance to play in the playoffs. But I think that is probably McNeil's ultimate fate this year. Uh, it's a tough one for him to just kind of be sitting around and waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the meantime, um, but as long as he can keep himself ready to go in game action, if he can show well when he gets in, then he has an opportunity potentially to go somewhere else and make his mark. Yeah, and if the star, I mean, frankly, it's something that you look at it where uh, I know the stars are somewhat conservative and holding on to assets. It's something where, but if Dallas is still as healthy as they've been, and I know they had a couple of injuries recently, but as they've stayed as healthy, even with those injuries, he was still, they still have debt problems down here. Um, if they stay as healthy, they stay as healthy as they've been by January. Mark McNeil, your prop, Mark McNeil. I don't want to say they owe it to him, but it becomes almost better for the team and the player to for him to find him another spot. And and uh, whether that's for future considerations, which could be green fees, or <laughs> um, or um, another player, maybe a, a younger player, a guy who's on AHL, ECHL. I don't know. But either way, it's something that. You don't know. I like. I see both sides of the argument, right? You don't know what you might need in February to make your team better, either at the NHL or the AHL level. So you keep all the assets you can, so that you have a trading chip for later. Even if you do it as future considerations and you sign him somewhere else, you could always bring him back. Right. It can be the trade for himself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like it, it, it can happen for sure, but but uh, you know he, he could be traded for for nothing or for something significant. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Francis Poitier, right? He was traded for Kevin Henderson, who was a huge contributor to the Calder Cup run, and it was even here for second season under right. a Nashville contract. Right, it was a very weird situation that uh, you can go read all about on either one of our sites, yeah, yeah. but uh, it, it's just a, you never know what can happen there, and, and um, the rules are obviously a lot more fluid at the AHL level with where you can be assigned and, and how, who you can play for, regardless of where your NHL contract is. So that's something that I think you 
I'm hoping that the uh, front office staff or excuse me, the hockey off staff is keeping in mind for a player like Mark McNeil who really has gotten sort of a raw deal. Especially since he's been, I hate to use the term because it gets overused, but he's been a good soldier. I hate to use that term because it gets overused, but that's, that's something that I think is a... He's been a good soldier. It's an overly used cliche term, but it's true. Right, absolutely. When he when he's been called upon to be in the lineup, he's played wherever he's needed to be to be put, and uh, hopefully he continues doing that because that's what's going to be able to prove his value. And if he ends up somewhere else, then you know I'm hoping he just gets a chance to play because he clearly has talent. He's just not being able to show it right here. Three players I want to ask you about that ones that people will. People in Dallas obviously very interested in... Um, Matt Mangine, <laughs> obviously. Matt Mangine, the ultimate utility player. The ultimate I, I know utility people, player. I know, I know the Dallas Stars broadcast likes to use Devin Shores, the ultimate utility player. They've never seen Matt Mangine <laughs> They play. don't know. Matt, Matt, Matt Mangine can play uh, left defense, right defense, third line, left wing, fourth line, right wing. He can play center on the power play. I mean, it's Matt Mangine is the uh, ultimate utility player. Versatile, very versatile. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> player that, uh, so first off, Julius Hanka, who I talked to Julius this morning, um, as of this night, he's got 12 games this season and, and zero points, which is unforeseen territory with with him in his career. Yeah, it's really tough, eh? you know, the team's been on the road for a lot of time that he's been here, that he's been on the Texas Stars, yeah, so I haven't he, had a chance to see him. He's been living, it's, think about this, when he, October 23rd, he left with the Dallas Stars to their Western Canada road trip. Around the time that was then, he was when he got called to California road trip. He's been living in hotels, because he's living in a hotel down here. Since October 23rd, he's been living in various hotels. Yeah, and that's not, <laughs> that's not good for like giving you a, yeah. a settled uh, feeling. I think one of the tough things, I know honestly, when I was, uh, when we first had Honka signed this year, I wrote on Twitter that... Dennis Guriana should look at what Julius Honka does in that next game to model what he needs to be in order to get called up. And then Honka has not really shown up in the way that he showed up last year and, and was really a dominant player at this level. So it's it's a tough spot because um, obviously you want him to do well and, and, and be ready for that call up. I'm not sure he's ready for that right now. Well, and here's the interesting thing because I think these two things can be true, which it makes these There are two things. Tonka cannot be ready for the call-up right now, but he can also be a better lineup option than what the Stars are fielding right now. Those two things, while it might doesn't sound right, that's actually true. Julius Tonka may, what his play down here may not have earned the call-up, but if Mark Mathot is still hurt, um, if Mark Mathot is still hurt and doesn't play tomorrow and is out, is out this week against Edmonton, he's still a better lineup option than the third pairing and, and, and what the Stars have done right now with having Jamie Alexiak and Greg Pattern in the lineup. And Greg Pattern is a very good seventh defender. I will defend Greg Pattern as an NHL seventh defender. But with Mark, Mark Mathot out, they put Essel Lindell and John Klingberg on the same pairing. Their two puck-moving defenders are on one pair. Um, and basically their bottom four can't move the puck. And that's, that, that defense is missing that right now. They're missing part of their identity. So Julius Hoffman cannot be ready down here but can still be needed up there. It's a weird dynamic. It is weird. It's, I agree. It's, and, and, and it's one of those interesting things where you never know. If he's one of those players, maybe this year it's a little bit like that Remy situation where he's not showing it at the AHL level. He gets the call up and something sparks, right? Remy is a better player in the NHL than he is in the AHL, which, honestly, when he got called up last year, everyone's sit in, sitting here in Cedar Park. What the heck's going on? He's not the best player on the Texas Stars. But that's okay because he became better when he got to the NHL. Players around him were better. Yeah. Real big hits. 
Rope is how it's pronounced, even though Hexastar's coach continues to say Rupee, it's Rope Higgins. Um, I talked to a scout the other day who watched him play on their California road trip who told me um, if I didn't know he this was his first season in North America, I wouldn't believe you. He's played he's played uh, a really big game, absolutely. And he's been top top six center. Um, and that's the role that they're they're putting him in. Um, and he's been on power play. He's been playing big minutes for the team, especially you know when they've had uh, some lineup fluidity with veterans and, and these sorts of things coming in and out. Um, he's been placed in a really uh, important position. He's been actually, I believe, last game he was centering uh, Travis Warren, which is kind of a weird thing, yeah. right? Travis Warren is is uh, traditionally a center. I, I would agree with the scout. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't know that he's he is brand new to the game. Yeah. Um, he's been he stepped in like he's been here for a couple of years, uh, which I'm not sure how much longer he'll be in Cedar Park, given the way he's playing. Again, got to make room for him. Yeah. But I, I honestly feel like he's uh, he's been a bright spot for the for uh, given the, where he is in terms of his development. What about Dennis Gurionov? What about Dennis Gurionov? That's a great question. Um, you look at his stat line, uh, he didn't have a goal yet, right? Uh, he's got some assists, but I think the most important thing is, is not the stat line. Well, the stat line also is a minus eight, which I yeah, believe is the, the dash eight is not, is not great. Um, there are no advanced stats in the AHL. Let me just clarify that real quick. That's right. Because there's, I can't list his course or anything like that because it's, well, it's, it's available, but not to us in the That's public. That's right. It's uh, top secret. The thing that we've discussed a little bit about Dennis Gurionov is that we don't notice him. He's sort of invisible on the ice. You're, you're, at the start of the year, he was in the top six. He's moved to the top nine. He was scratched in the last game. Didn't really make that much of a difference if he was scratched. I honestly might not have known that he was scratched. Uh, his play has been inconsistent. Um, Maybe, maybe not even consistent, maybe or inconsistent, just consistently not there. It's really worrying because he had a great year last year. And is it a sophomore slump? Is he trying to add something to his game that's not clicking? I'm not sure what it is, but um, we talk about Honka not being ready for a call-up. Gurionov is far from being ready for a call-up. There are players on this lineup who I would call way before I would call Gurionov. And that's got to be disappointing given the fact that he got into the last game last year and availed himself pretty well you know, of that opportunity. Great way to get into the summer and have a solid push. Yeah. He just he hasn't had it this year. And to be and I, I think one thing I'm going to say is I think you would agree with me. No one is selling on Dennis Gurionov. Absolutely. No, no, not. no one. No one. No one is selling in any case or anything like that. It's just concerning. It's it's um, he's still he still has potential to be a elite top six forward in the NHL. This could just be. You know what? We could sit down a month from now, and this could be all in the past if he just if over the next six weeks he figures things out. It's just concerning. I'm just going to put it that way. And also, to call for him to be called up right now, I think also sends the wrong message. Because um, I sometimes get slammed by, by I know the Dallas Stars sometimes get slammed for their overripeness, their, their belief in the overripening prospect. And I think there is a fine line you have to walk. And I know sometimes I get asked, and, and, and people ask me why I believe in the overripening process. And I don't believe in that 
hook, line, and sinker. But I do believe there is value in earning your call up. I do believe that there is value in coming down here and actually dominating at this level and forcing them to call you up. And I think that's something I'd love to see out of Denning. Um, if he could do that, say tonight he goes out and scores three goals, and we, from, and we could be completely wrong, and, but start is concerning. It is. And, and here's the thing. like We're 15 games into an American Hockey League season. Mm-hmm. Nothing is set in stone right now, just like you said. Um, you know, we're both millennials by, uh, you know, by the generational thing, relate to our, our millennials. Uh, he is a very, very green avocado right now. All about that avocado test, right? <laughs> He's very green, yeah. right? Like, not even, like yeah. you're not even thinking about taking that off the tree yet. Yeah. He is still forming. He played in, in Russia. Yeah, we forget about this. Like, he, he was playing in Russia two years ago, yes. right? Yeah. He's, you know, he was drafted two years ago. Mm-hmm. He's very much, like, having a conversation about him being ripe or overripe is way too early. Yeah. He's still learning to play at this level and in this game. And it's a very, very tough spot for him to be in, to be judged and have these expectations of him being ready to play in the NHL. He's not. I mean, it would honestly be better, maybe, if he had the, uh, uh, the I'm going to say Rupee, because I yeah. always say dead yeah. Coach yeah. Laxall. Um, if you had the, the, the Rupee Hintz situation where he's in Europe and you're not even thinking about calling him up, yeah. right? That might be better for his sort of development, where he gets to go and do his thing without the pressure of a call-up. You know, an interesting argument for AHL versus Europe. Obviously, you get to control the development a lot here in the AHL. You have the option of call if they're having a great year, but Europe, you just kind of let it, set it, forget it. Ron Popeil style. Can you imagine, speaking of that, can you imagine the fervor and the social media outcry if Miro Heiskanen had played in the AHL this season? Just Everyone would be losing their mind. I mean, and people already are. People already, they're not losing their mind, but people, there already is a strong push to pull them over from Finland. Absolutely. If he was sitting in this building right now, there would be an expectation that he would be an NHL player this year. And, I'm, and you could, I actually, I actually argue he actually would be, should be, and I actually think the AHL would be good for him this season. However, I do actually like, if, if his, his development's a weird scenario this season, because if he was over here this season, he couldn't play in the Olympics, and I think the Olympics will be a great boost for him. Sure. So he's a, he's a weird scenario, but just imagine if he was here in the fervor for him to be right. Exactly, and, and you and I were obviously not professional athletes. We don't know what that's like in terms of on the player's side. But I think that the sort of I'm not going to say anonymity, but a little bit just like that level of okay, I'm just going to be over here and do my thing. It's probably nice. I know that when I'm working, I sort of I don't like to operate under a microscope. Yeah. Uh, so that that obviously would have benefits, I, I think, for the player. Well, as you can probably hear in the background, the game's about to start. Um, Stephen, thank you for joining the podcast. Uh, we'll have you on sometime soon. Great. Yeah. Check it out at 100 Degree Hockey. Thanks a lot, Sean.